0: Conrad, I see that you're wearing a collared dress shirt today, which can only mean one thing. You are on the road, hawking
1: your wares on the conference circuit. Where in the world are you? Very true. I am either in disguise if I'm wearing a collared shirt or speaking to lawyers. Uh, And occasionally on the podcast. I'm at Pilma down in New Orleans. I was at MTMP two weeks ago in Las Vegas. They are too similar, although completely different different cities and I personally like the dirt and the grit and the stench and the the real music of New Orleans. I love I do love this. I'm not a city person. Man, I miss New Orleans. Yeah, well, if you want to go for a walk and step in something that you're not sure what it is and it squishes for the next, you know, quarter mile, this is the place to do it.
0: <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> and also, as you mentioned great music, great food. Have you had any What have you eaten
1: recently? Well, shrimp and grits, baby. Uh, at, shrimp at the and risk grits. of sounding like a tourist, if you come to Seattle, you have to eat salmon or a crab. If you come to New Orleans, you have to have shrimp and grits. It just has to happen. So uh, great food, great, great music. The music just makes me happy here. It is people just living their musical lives, and it's everywhere. I really do love this city.
0: Very nice. Me too. In addition to Nolans,
1: what else are we talking about today? Oh, boy. So I will say this. Well, I don't know how many episodes I have done with you, Guy. This is the most impactful episode. We are bringing to you cutting-edge news that it is, as of now, less than six days old. Coming out of Google, we've got the news. After that, we're going to go deeper into those changes that were announced just six days ago. And then finally, ding, 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 we've got a mailbag. We've got a bunch of questions from listeners that we're going to answer. Until then... Let's make the world go round, and we'll be back with the news. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice. Here
2: on Legal Talk Network.
1: You know what, key I'm sitting here in New Orleans. I feel like we could take this theme music and give it to like seven different bands and have them do their take on it, and it would be amazing. That trumpet oh, again great. Oh, I would love
0: to hear Money Makes the World Go Round in Jazz.
1: Wouldn't that be good? Good times. Be great. Okay. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. We have got a jam-packed show for you today. So let's get started. First, big news coming right at you. So, Guy, Google AI, sorry, I blew that. Google I.O., not too many. And many AI. Two I.O. And, and AI. AI. AI You're not wrong. I.O., the, it, <laughs> it, it, it's going to make the world go round. Google had a huge announcement six days ago at Google I.O. What were they talking about, and what are we going to be talking about later on in the show? So, for folks that don't know what Google I.O. is, you can
0: just go search it, but it's, uh, I think they do it annually, and it's their. Technically, it's a developer conference, but they tend to make big announcements. And oh boy, they made some big announcements uh, this year,
1: which we'll dive deeper into. So Google I.O., huge announcement. Stick with the show to hear about this because this is kind of mind-blowing. It's it's very, very revolutionary for all of the stuff that he and I have spent our lives perfecting. All right. The other questions that I'm getting lots of news coming about, the TLD. Esquire. What is a TLD, Guy? And should lawyers go flocking to buy the .esqs? So the TLD is a
0: top-level domain. And for folks that don't know what that means, it's what your web address ends with. So .com is a TLD, .edu, .gov. Well, recently the .esq TLD was announced. And lawyers are out there dropping serious cash to get those hot ESQ domains so they can rank in
1: Google. Brilliant! Brilliant, you idiots. Don't do this. (laughs) Sarah. Sorry, now I've offended our audience. If you have just bought a .esq believing that it is going to be the answer to your SEO prayers go kick yourself because you just lit some money on fire. I've got a bottle of snake oil to sell you. <laughs> oh, it's really good snake oil too. This this happened, I want to say 6 years ago when dot law came out. If you want to learn more dot pro, there's all sorts of garbage. If you want to learn more about how you have been swindled, there's an article we'll put in the show notes called the Dot Law Sales Conspiracy. Dot Law was marketed by essentially artificially inflating, changing changing a domain of a law firm. I believe it was in Florida. They changed the domain to a Dot Law and then showcased all of the Google Analytics results that happened when they did that. What they failed to mention is that concurrently in making that change, they did a massive website redesign. They added a ton of content and they did massive link building and they use that claim and all that work and the improvement in the results to claim that it was all about dot law. So you have been swindled. All right. And finally, moving on to the more positives, your very own lunch hour legal marketing was featured as a top 10 podcast by the listeners of Attorney at Work. Thank you, Joan Feldman. That was uh that was that was nice. I that, that made me feel good, gee. Always nice to make
0: a list and this particular list as conrad mentioned was compiled by actual feedback from readers at attorney at work and so grateful to all of those who gave a nod to lunch hour legal marketing we appreciate
1: you and we appreciate being appreciated and bluntly like the group that was out there including strict scrutiny which is produced by crooked media for me to be included with a with a group and and a podcast that's that's produced by crooked just it's like getting uh, asked by Kenny G to come up and play along stage there I'm trying to I'm trying to go with the jazz <laughs> theme a little bit further um, no but seriously and and I and I would do want to make a shout out we've talked about production value and the production value of this podcast I have listened to crooked media's um, pod save the world for a very, very long time. It is extremely well produced. I also listen to The Atlantic that also does podcasts. And when you listen to both of them, you can realize just how much work goes into great post-production. The Atlantic's post-production is, frankly, kind of non-existent. It's garbage. And we here are... And, and when you compare it to the, to the work done by Crooked, like it is, it's very, very clear. We're super lucky to have Legal Talk Network producing this. And you guys as listeners are super lucky to have them producing this because they make us sound better. So huge thanks to Legal Talk Network. And you are a lot that has to do with us getting on the top 10 podcast list. When we come back, we're going to blow your minds with Google's most recent announcement.
0: Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs developed by experts in learning design Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or
1: even offline ads. CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments. Know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free. All right, Guy, I've set you up to blow everyone's mind as they're listening. Google's announcement at Google I.O., not Google AI, Google I.O. What was it and why are we so excited about it?
0: A lot of announcements, but we're going to focus on two today. The first is SGE, which is Search Generative Experience. And the second is Perspectives. So SGE, if you didn't catch the announcement, essentially Google is going to be adding generative AI results into the search results. And they've got some videos on the Google I.O. website that you can check out for examples. But uh, as Conrad mentioned, the biggest change in the search interface in a long time, you know, over the years, they've layered in universal results. You've had local, you've got video results and images. This is a game changer. This is a big step towards their ultimate goal of becoming the Star Trek computer. You can't, they're not in the wild. So if you're vigorously looking for SGE results on your phone right now as you listen to this you won't see them you got to go sign up for the waitlist at Google Labs uh, we'll try to drop a link in the show notes to get on that waitlist but yeah conrad what are your early thoughts you think that SGE is the game changer that it is heralded to be
1: well there are a couple things that are really fascinating and and you should go watch those videos because it's hard to explain it's amazing when you see it when chat gpt hit the the airwaves hit hit the hit reality the tubes the tubes. There was a lot of conversation about tubes. like, is this gonna change SEO? And so all the SEOs are all excited about Chat GPT, and all of you have been writing content all this time, have been excited about that. I think here at Entire Legal Marketing, we talked about this possibly heralding a changing consumer behavior, right? And the example that we have used was, you're no longer looking for divorce lawyer near me, you are looking for things like. How do I talk to my two teenage boys about our upcoming divorce? They're very concerned about where they're going to spend their holidays. One of my kids is autistic. What should I do? Can you help me write some talking points so I can talk to them? That is a change in in, in behavior that, that we talked about maybe happening. And so lo and behold, the change in behavior is going to be brought to you by Google because that's exactly what they are trying to do. The generative experience really talks about... Your next searches can be conditioned based on what your previous search was, right? So you can start drilling deeper into a subject and asking more and more questions. And so it is not a single search that then returns a result. It is is more of a conversation, and the results are coming back as AI generation, the other thing that I found really fascinating about this, Guy, and I think this is thematically, this is going to come out when we talk about perspectives as well, Google is citing their sources for this. This is where this becomes really, really fascinating and legal. My belief is they're they're pushing back against this self-reinforcing echo chamber that is the web, right? So like, uh, for example, I'm a bleeding heart liberal, so I read CNN, and so all of the news that I get, all the content that I get is self-fulfilling because Google knows I like the bleeding heart liberal snowflake content, Right. And I don't see the other side. And I think what they're trying to do in citing those sources and is encouraging people to dig deeper into why you're getting the information back that you are as a pushback against that kind of echo chamber perspective. And so the question that is going to come up for legal is, as people dive into sources, are you one of those sources? How is Google determining what sources they pick? Is it going to be links? Like, we really don't know. Right now, we really don't know what they're going to be turning for to drive the content that is AI generated based on queries. And this is, man, if you are if you want to be an expert in SEO for legal and you don't know anything, now's the time to jump in because nobody knows how this works right now.
0: Yeah, I think my couple of thoughts. It seems to me from the examples that I saw and from the fo- I don't have access to the SGE. I'm not in the lap yet. I'm on the wait list, so disclaimer. Uh, but the examples that I've seen, I think, this is what I'm what I'm concluding thus far. And again, I'm very early. The first thing, and I think Conrad's right on point with the, it's really important to understand how the generative experience, what they're sourcing. How are they getting this information? And I've done, we've been doing a lot of testing on like both ChatGPT and BARD and a couple other uh, generative AI tools, and asking questions like, give me a list of the top 10 car accident lawyers in Chicago and tell me where you got the sources from. And interestingly, a lot of them have been traditional directories. It's been mm-hmm. super lawyers, Avo, Forbes Advisor, Yelp. But to Conrad's point, the lawyers that they list for those queries tend not to be the same. In some instances, they're not the same lawyers that show up in local packs and they're not the same that are ranking in just traditional SEO, which, you know, obviously, it's it's kind of stating the obvious here. The generative AI is pulling from a different corpus and using a different way of understanding the uh, user's intent on the prompt than a traditional search. Now, one thing that I'll also observe is that it looks like Google's doing both. So, you know, if you're a an SEO or you're a lawyer that relies on organic traffic, I don't think this is like apocalyptic. You're still seeing links in the results. You're still seeing it's like a I would call it a hybrid experience is the way that I've been thinking about it. But the other thing the other really good point that Conrad made that I think people should be thinking about is it's definitely going to impact user behavior. And I would say this though, it's totally new in terms of the interface and it's totally new in terms of like the experience that we're going to have. But remember, Google has been influencing user behavior with auto suggest and people also ask and related searches and all this stuff already. I think this is a, another layer of that. And I think it's a more extreme layer in degree, but anyway, I just say that because this is what's coming next, folks. You're going to see Facebook ads talking about SGE optimization for law firms. And we're going to get you to the top of the generative results. And all that's, that trash and that noise is coming. And the fundamentals to me still remain the same. I mean, look, you should have been in the directories already. You should be working on building citations in major data sources, major legal directories. I'm not saying you need to pay for listings. I'm not saying you need to pay for ads. You should already be... Publishing information. We've talked about this before, but like I think we're going to see, and we're going to, this will be a good dovetail into perspectives. But you know, remember, legal in the search quality rater guidelines, legal is a YMYL, your money, your life category, right? So Google is particularly concerned about the results. They don't want people, in theory, they you know we talk about fake reviews in theory they don't want people relying on bad information for important things like making legal hires and so short version is that experience authority trust you know these um, eat signals focus on that make sure your content talks about you know th- we talked about blogging You know, if you've been just like buying content and publishing under admin on a WordPress login or under your firm's brand and not you as the author, I think that content's in trouble. Google wants to surface content written by known experts on their field. So make sure you've got that in your bylines. You know, Conrad, you had alluded to, is this the return of authorship?
1: I think there's some validity to that. Question for you. We're going to come back to authorship when we talk about perspectives because I think that's really, this is really fascinating to me, but I want to, I want to ask a question on behalf of our listeners. You said YMYL. Google has said that they are not going to extend SGE to YMYL topics, right? And so the question that I would posit to you is, is this just Guy and Conrad, Henny Penning, this guy is falling with SEO because Google's never going to bring SGE to legal. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I I think that that's not true. I you know, look. Google's uh, all this Google I/O stuff, <laughs> it's PR, right? It's just like the PR that we they talk about on web spam and all this stuff. And and I don't begrudge them at all. I mean, this is tough stuff and there's there's all sorts of, you know, they're a publicly traded company. There's all sorts of stuff to navigate here. My view is this is where Google wants to go. The market's going to force them to go. You know, we saw what happened when they botched the bard launch, yeah, they know and, and, and competition's good. You know, I'm cheering for a little competition, I'm cheering for Bing, I'm cheering for Altman, and I think that forcing Google's hand on some of this stuff's gonna be a healthy thing. I think we're gonna get better results. That being said, like to think right now Google is showing trash for YMYL results. So this idea that like they only show the most amazing stuff and they're so concerned. Okay, Google, if that's so true, why are old-fashioned spam SEO tactics still working in YMYL? Why, do, why are there uh, uncountable numbers of fake reviews for legal local business lookups, right? If you care about YMYL so much, you got a whole bunch of problems to deal with before SGE. In fact, you know, Maybe uh, a little bit naively and optimistically. Maybe SGE can clean up some of this trash.
1: Okay. All right. So YMYL not applicable in Gee's opinion for SGE. I don't disagree with you. I think it is. It is very. And real.
0: maybe in the short term, you know, maybe in the short term we won't. Which is remember, this is all very early. You know, we feel compelled to talk about this. Folks want, yeah. you know, as we talk, we'll talk about in the mailbag. People want to know, but the general public doesn't have access to this stuff yet. And maybe in the first six months, year, Google's like got some kind of crazy filter. But, you know, we talked about this a little bit in preparation, but the nuance of distinguishing between a YMYL search and a non-YMYL search, you know, come on. I think a human being, I think the quality raters struggle with making those distinctions. There's all sorts of life legal searches that may not be lawyer lookups. You know, lawyer lookups might be easy. That might be like clearly YMYL. But, you know, there's all sorts of searches that it's like there's nuance there. And so I just don't think they're going to have the filter on for anything that includes something related to a life quasi-legal search. You're just not going to get generative results. I just don't see that happening.
1: So before we move on on this, my guess is the people who start working on SGE optimization. And I think you and I will be putting our brains together to think about what that looks like. We need to understand how AI works. And it is really based on these LLM models, large language models. And understanding this, this turns into understanding which large language models are actually driving the AI and what you can do in order to have coverage and quality within those large language models. The recent announcement, there's actually two different large language models that Google is drawing on for SGE. So, this, I mean, this gets massively, massively complicated.
0: Yeah. And I get I, I think the the short version of the initial research is get the sources from your prompts. When you're asking, you that's, know, that's top right. 10 car accident lawyers, how did you compile this list? What are you, you know, list your sources, all that kind of jazz.
1: But that's teeing into to BARD and ChatGPT, that's giving you the source for that. But this is really fundamentally a different report. They're going to actually no, show the source source sources, right? It'll source they're sh- it. Mm-hmm. They're showing the sources in the interface. They're showing the right? sources. And they're and, and so in some,
0: you know, th- this is one of the comments that was made for some of the uh, SEO folks that have access is like, they're like, it feels like a dynamic featured snippet. That's kind of what it feels like. And so featured snippets, many of them still show the sources, but to your point earlier, it's like it's a dynamic one. So you can like, you know, you can click into it, you can add additional context to the prompt or whatever you want. I don't know if it's going to be a query or a prompt, but whatever it is. And so in that sense, it's still to me anyway, that's kind of where it's back to full circle. It's kind of a hybrid thing. You're still going to have traditional SEO stuff going on, mm. but I'd really lean into understanding the sources that are being drawn upon. Which we'll get to when we start talking about perspectives now is this expertise stuff. Like you've gotta become
1: the known expert for what you're talking about. That's the real trick. Okay. So I wanna, I wanna pass this question to you. We talked about Relico's author, perspectives, the way to identify to Google that you are an expert and you wrote the thing, right? It used to be just tying content to a Google Plus profile, right? All of you who have your Google Plus profile still somewhere, may, maybe this will come back. But I think this comes back differently. In fact, I suspect it may not have ever gone away, even with the death of Google Plus. It was, Google was still looking at the expertise of the individual author, even though they no longer were using their was author and showing the picture of the author in the search results. I think that never went away, the tracking signal. That's never been validated, but I suspect that remains the case. It's just going to come to the bigger forefront. Before we go further on this author concept, can you talk about Perspectives? That's Perspectives with a capital P for our listeners who can't see our show notes. Talk about Perspectives. What is it? And why are we talking about it, Guy? Yeah. So
0: Perspectives is a... Uh, it's going to be a filter, and we'll put a link in the show notes. But you're going to see videos, images, and posts from a variety of different you know, experts on social media sites, Forum sites, so you know it's funny. We've been poo-pooing third-party publishing and forums, a like question-answer sites like Avo and stuff, and get ready for them to re-emerge totally, because that's where these perspective filters going to populate. And so, you know, we've talked in the past about Google's concerned about how, like, oh, people are going to TikTok to look for local restaurants and whatnot, or to get a, you know, some kind of influencers perspective that they follow. Well, Google doesn't want to be out of that game. And so in my view, this is kind of their response to that is to be like, all right, let's bring all of these expertise perspectives into the search results with this perspectives filter. And so And again, if you're talking about how do you get Google to know that you're an expert on something, like it's going to be answering questions on Q&A sites in forums. It's going to be publishing on social. And so I think we're going to start to see that. uh, I mean, I know we're going to start to see that in the results as well. And so, you know, like it won't be surprising to see like, you know, Attorney Tom TikToks and the, you know, Law by Mike TikTok videos because they do have such a following, they are engaged with so widely commented on and shared, I think that those are, you're gonna to start to see that. And so I think it behooves you to start being like, hey, look, I've got to demonstrate my expertise across platforms, which again, it's like, we're talking about this in this context, this perspectives thing, but fundamentally that's not different than what we talked about in traditional SEO, right? I mean, people debate about the signaling value of social media links and no follows and all this jazz, but at the end of the day, Google is not saying we're just trying to organize websites for 10 blue links. We're trying to organize the world's information, meaning we're going to take in uh, expertise from all of these different sources and pull it into search results. And so anyway, consider it a portfolio strategy. Diversify your efforts. It's just like I keep saying this idea of like the lines between the real world and the web are blurring. And so being on social platforms is no different than speaking engagements, right? It's an opportunity for you to display your expertise. And so the more places you're doing that, that's getting, you know, real-time feedback, essentially, from the audience by, you know, likes, shares, comments, you know, embeds, answers on question and answer site, so, like, that's the stuff that I think is likely to rise to the surface
1: on this perspectives filter. So I had a slightly different take on perspectives, and it's built off of a couple quotes as well as the use of the word perspectives. I want to read a quote from the Google News product manager Itamar Sneer when they announced perspectives, and we'll drill further into about this author. And the quote was, We build features to help you evaluate the information you come across online while expanding the range, my emphasis here, of helpful information you can find. And so when I read this, my read was one of the things Google is pushing back against is this kind of thought bubble, this, this echo chamber of people agreeing with what you think about and showing you information that you want to read because you already believe it. Thank you, Fox News, right? And so my read on this was they're they're actually trying to showcase, and it's, and, and it's interesting that this came from the Google News product manager, they're trying to showcase a wider variety of perspectives on a given issue based on the leanings, and it doesn't necessarily have to be political, but based on kind of diversity of perspectives on an individual issue. And so that was kind of my read on the perspectives. And then they went deeper about this author. So they're showcasing in these SGE results where the results are coming from, why were you seeing this result? And they're going into, and we're coming back to the perspectives and the authorship, they're going into snippets about who this person is, not not just the content and why it was ranked, but like who wrote it and why Google has used that person and where that person is coming from. So I find this an attempt by Google to help or at least provide more context for where the results are coming from for the reader. That was That was kind of my take on that. So I think you're projecting way too much personally. I,
0: you know, I don't think Google's (laughs) going to be, uh, you know, if you're a conservative, if you've got conservative signals in your search history, they're going to start showing you more progressive content. I don't think that's going on at all. I I think this is traditional popularity signals. This is going to be followers, like counts, engagement, you know, could it happen that what you're talking about in, in many instances, like, sure. And again, I think that that's, that's great. And it's an optimistic worldview, but, you know, look, I, I think it's much more about, you know, I'm looking at the, uh, announcement from the person who posts on the keyword blog and it's popularity. Like you're right on this. They want to give more prominence to the creators, Right. And sure, I think there's an interesting philosophical thing here, right? Because the creators are now going to have the same arguments and issues with Google that the publishers did. So it's this is the, the double edged sword of the Google ecosystem, right? So Google scrapes your content and puts a little snippet to help people find your content. As a publisher, you're like, hooray, I got traffic from Google. So someone was searching for something. Then Google started doing snippets and it's like, oh, no hooray because no one's actually clicking through to my site because they're getting their answer in the result. Now, it's interesting because the creators, they're at the very least like their persona, their expertise of who they are, their identity is gonna be part of showing up on Google, right? So they're, you're gonna, you're gonna sure. see that person. I think that's great. However, if you're consuming this expertise in the result, are people going to be clicking through and engaging with your content on the native platform from where they Google pulled that content? You know, are they going to, to use the legal example, if you publish something on an Avo question and answer site, you know, Avo has its own engagement stuff with vote, upvotes and stuff built into them, like just like a lot of these forum sites are. Yep. And will people click through or will they just get their answer? And so this is the kind of that double-edged sword of like, you know, look, it's Google's world, like it or not. I, I don't think um, anytime soon we're seeing, you know, people talked about, oh, Bing's stealing market share with ChatGPT. Like, I was like, had, like <laughs> yeah. I spit out my water when people were saying question. that to me, yeah. you know, and I'm like, come on. And by the way, I also love, the thing I loved about how Google does this very uh, subtly, you know, everybody's talking about how like, oh, Google's behind the game on AI. No, they're not. They've been doing this longer than all these companies have. They just haven't released it at the same velocity. And they botched some of their PR stuff. But don't worry about Google. They're just fine. But I do think this perspective thing is going to be interesting in terms of like, will creators think this is a boon? Because, oh, people are actually... Looking for something perspective, get, you know, adding the filter and clicking through and subscribing and following that creator, yeah. Or are they just consuming it right in the results and then you know you get some visibility for your brand, but people aren't really engaging with it there. That's I don't know that's kind of TBD.
1: So a lot to talk about, a lot that Guy and I don't know right now. We will be talking a lot more about SGE as we get our grubby little hands on the beta. We will share that information with you, dear reader. When we return after the break, we're going to open up the mail and answer some questions directly from you, our dear listener.
0: And we're back. So if you're a regular lunch hour legal marketing listener, you know how much Conrad and I just adore listener feedback. And we regularly put out requests for topics and questions and hit us up with your whatever you want to know. And so we're super grateful when people respond. And Herman Law PA recently reached out on Instagram. Yep, Lunch Hour Legal Marketing is on Instagram in case you didn't know. And Herman Law PA asks, Hey guys, following up on your episode about Google Biz Profile, we noticed that a certain owner feature has been removed. Google used to show you how many views and clicks each of our company updates received, but now none of that info is shown anywhere. Any insight? So I'm gonna pause there. If you're logged in as an owner on a Google business profile and you do a search for your firm or your business name, you should see a little administrative panel that shows you know, some search console data for, actually, I mean, technically, I guess it's Google business profile data, also search console's in there, but you also see these administrative, things like you can edit and it'll show clicks and things like that. If you don't see that, one of three things has happened. One, you accidentally didn't log into the browser that you're in as an owner, right? So you're logged into something else, problem. Okay, you're not gonna see it. Two, maybe you are logged in, but something happened and your Google account is no longer the owner. And in fact, we've seen hackers trying to steal ownership of Google business profiles from businesses. That's a problem. And so I would go check to make sure, like go log into your Google Business Profile dashboard and make sure you're still an owner there. Uh, And three is, yes. Yeah, panic. And three is, yes, Google Business Profiles are super buggy. And so you might just be dealing with an intermittent bug. In fact, we'll try to follow up with you to see if this issue is resolved for you. But usually it's one of those three things. I can tell you, we just checked before the show, Google is for a verified logged in business owner. You should be seeing the information that's missing right now. I just checked for a couple, a handful of uh, firms in our company and that information is still there. So it's not actually been formally removed. Continuing, also topic suggestion to explain all of this Linktree business popping up and best practices for that. Anyway, keep up the great work and witty banter, loyal listener, Herman Law, PA. Well, thank you, Herman Law on Linktree. So... These link bio tools really gained popularity because of Instagram, because Instagram does not allow you to drop links, pluses and minuses. And by the way, if you're publishing from a third-party publishing tool to Instagram and you're dropping links, that's super irrelevant. Nobody can click on those links. No one's writing the links down. (laughs) No one's copying and pasting them. So let's just stop doing that. So what's the alternative? You have the link in bio. And so link in bio tools like Linktree allow you to feature links. Most of the major news publishers and you know just publishers in general have some form of this. And so what it means for you as a lawyer is is like say let's say you ha- you have an Instagram handle and you have a podcast and you have a website and you have a blog and you have a YouTube channel, instead of dropping those links in Instagram, you add them to your link bio. And so when someone clicks on the link in your bio information on Instagram, they have options to either you know go to your podcast. You can also do it for individual pages and posts. So if you want to hide, a lot of the news publishers, they'll be like, you know they'll do a post and then they'll say, if you want to read more about this, click the link in the bio. And then the link in the bio will populate a bunch of their recent articles. And you just look for the one that you were looking for, you click on it and it will take you through. So that's what that's all about. I mean, best practice for me is you know, it's really about highlighting what you want to have highlighted there, right? So I think video content, if you're on YouTube, I think getting people back to your podcast. I've seen some lawyers do uh, an email grab there. Like if you want to actually uh, sign up for our updates, I think that can, can be pretty cool. But what it really is, is is instead of having links in the actual posts, it's a place to use links on sites like Instagram.
1: That's that. Thanks again. That's that. Appreciate Thanks it. Again. Appreciate the feedback. Next question, Gee, And I'm going to... Do this listener a favor because I don't want to share where you're strategically going and you have a very unique name. We're not going to use your name here. I'll ask the question anyway. One issue we're struggling with is getting leads from our website that are heavy in one area, for example, medical malpractice, but we want more leads in other practice areas too. Boy, Geed, have you heard of this question yet this week? Because I get this every <laughs> single day. Very common question and a, and a difficult answer, right? What advice do you all have for law firms? Now, we know this person is in, in the South because they said, y'all, for, have for law firms looking to diversify their lead types from their websites. We don't want to turn off the spigot for med melt necessarily but it also isn't feasible for all law firms to spend all day screening med mal leads and on med mal leads in particular what's the best and nicest way to quickly decline a lead we know isn't a case without being dismissive and the potential client leaving a bad review okay so first key how do we go beyond that one thing that google knows us well for you know this is
0: such a great and complicated i mean we could do a whole segment on this but in my view the short answer is is you've got to start publishing. If you're talking about SEO here, we're talking about Google. You got to start publishing on that topic. And so, for example, we talked about this with Darren Shaw. You know, maybe it's a totally different site. Maybe you have you're using a practitioner profile and Google Business profiles for that other category. Oh, because that's remember, it all comes back to the categories, right? So the tighter your site is about a specific topic, the more opportunity I believe you have to rank. But you can't rank for everything, right? And so, Google wants to show sites. If you, if you're so, you're a med lawyer. You want to break into like car accidents. We have two options, right? You do a, you add a car accident section to your website. Now you're diluting the subject matter of your site. Right. Uh, you start a micro site. You can do a practitioner page with a category dedicated to you know car accidents. But this is tricky stuff. I mean, you know, and I. I don't have a great answer for it, right? Um, I, on the screening stuff, that's another
1: whole area. Well, well let's let's issue. hit that in a second. I'm going to I mean you gave you gave 3 ideas there, and I think the reality is you need to understand your competitive context, your site's overall authority and whether or not you can pull this off. So, in some right. cases, you are forthepeople.com, you have an absolutely rockstar backlink profile. You can add stuff and start ranking for it tomorrow, but that's not the same answer for every law firm, right? And so just throwing more content on is going to cannibalize if you're performing really well somewhere. For most law firms, it is going to cannibalize those efforts. Of where you're being successful because you are diluting the concentration of what you're talking about, which is exactly why Darren Shaw, and I don't agree with this approach generally from an SEO perspective, but was like, listen, with for, for local, we can actually have just a very, very tight, tight, tight site with not a lot of links pointing to it. But because it's so tight on content, it can actually rank, right? I, I don't love that for a whole variety of SEO reasons, but it works. And so the reality is if you're performing well in one thing, but it, you're moving into a competitive market, you want to go into something else, it's going to hurt unless you have that absolutely rockstar backlink profile. There are other things that you can do to try and enhance that. So you're building links to the specific pages of the new practice area that you want to push. Those can be internal links, they can be external links. There's things you can do, but this is not a for most firms, this is not a quick fix. Unless you are absolutely crushing. And I'd be curious at your perspective on this, unless you are Absolutely crushing it in your market from a site authority. And by site authority, I mean links perspective. Would you would you from a theory perspective agree with that?
0: Yeah, for theory-wise, I wouldn't. And I think the other thing too is is like, you know, you and I, Conrad, as we always disclose, like we love organic search. Like that's what we cut our teeth on. That's what we've been doing. The other thing here is, is you can buy it. Buy the yes. other categories. If you're happy with what's going on with your primary category, and we're talking short term, and you don't want to invest in a new site, and you don't want to dilute the topical authority of your existing site, you know, go sign up for some LSAs and some other categories. Go buy, do some pay-per-click in other categories. Do some social media buys in other categories. But that's the trick with organic, right? It's like, it's just you don't have the same kind of control over it. And I'm always like, be careful because... The broader you go, the more you potentially dilute. And to Conrad's point, unless you're Morgan & Morgan or one of these other big firms, like you can see, we've seen it happen, where it's like, hey, we want to add a practice area, right? And it's yep. like, all of a sudden, now you're not ranking for... What, what happened to our rankings
1: over here for these other categories we used to rank for? And the problem is, and this is so self-reinforcing, it drives me crazy, you've had the success here. And you think, all I need to do to go and have success elsewhere is just replicate what I'm currently doing, right? We're ranking for X, I'm just gonna add Y. Because you've had success, it's the same thing with with people on the, I had this conversation not that long ago. People on the outskirts of a city will kill it in local. And they're like, great, I'm gonna go into downtown Dallas and I'm gonna kill it too. No, you're not. You're not. You're just not. It's not that simplistic. And the other problem is, it's also
0: reinforced because you know, these SEO agencies and your director of marketing is happy to be like, yeah, we'll sell you more content. We'll sell you more locations. You know, how many times, I mean, I can't tell you how many Instagram ads I see for like the guide to be able to open more offices for Google business profiles. And I'm like, I can't wait for them to get burned and then be like, you told me that all I had to do is open up this virtual office and follow your guide and I'm just going to rank. And it's like, this is the problem, right? Like, there are consequences for every change you make to your website.
1: Would you like to name the people who are recommending that, key, or are you going to be polite? I do not. I would not. You like to. are a wuss. All right. Moving on. Thomas Armitage asks us connecting the offline and online experience. You see a lot of local SMBs, especially in legal, still running billboards, radio, TV, business after hours with a local chamber. Cool. Does it work? Maybe, but connecting it to the online experience for greater impact, greater recall, and making sure those efforts are tracked. That's where you can figure out what's really working or not. How do we track, how do we tie offline and online, Guy? So first,
0: um, and thank you, Tom, for uh, this comment. Uh, Tom's with Smith, AI, by the way, and really sharp marketer. So first I'm gonna start with I'm going to channel my best Conrad and, ah. and uh, use words that I've been trying not to use because Conrad's been beating them up so badly, dark social. So wh- when I think of dark social, I don't only think of like what we mean by dark social, but I th- I mean holes in quantitative attribution models, generally speaking. And where, where it plays into this offline stuff is this, is like uh, to Tom's point, like you put a billboard up and you, yeah, sure. You can put a tracking number up there, right? Guess what? Nobody's driving down the road in Chicago, seeing your, you know, tracking number, memorizing it or typing it while they're driving. Very few people are doing that. Now, if you're doing a brand number, right? You put a brand like two 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 twenty two twenty two Glenn Lerner, that someone might memorize, right? So, and, and if that's a dedicated branded tracking number in the ad, that might be a way to track. I don't recommend that, though. Anyway, my point here, this long-winded way of channeling Conrad is, don't worry about it. Don't worry about the tracking. Focus on the overall lift. Sure. Can you track brand queries in Search Console? Yes. If more people are searching on your name or your firm name, great. Can you try to use QR codes for tracking? Sure. But don't lose the forest for the trees. You know, marketing people, like myself included have been beating this attribution drum, direct response attribution drum for so long that we've forgotten that like traditional marketing that is not as good at tracking, brand building, brand affinity, all this other like fuzzier stuff works really, really well. And so it's a balance. I'm not saying throw attribution out and and you can try some of these things. You You can try to put dedicated tracking numbers in offline creative. You can try to use QR codes for tracking you should be keeping an eye on branded search traffic, both paid search, brand and search, and as well as organic brand search. But don't conclude that because you're not seeing a huge uptick in brand queries and conversions from organic brand in your attribution data, that someone hasn't been driving past your billboard every day, calls you up one day and says... Hey, you know, family member was in a car accident. How did you hear about us? I have no idea. I've been, I've been watching your billboards. I did a search. I clicked one of your ads. I've been following you on social media. Like, I don't know. So anyway, put the qualitative question in your forms and put the qualitative question in your intake process. But I'm
1: very convinced that we have gotten way too myopic about attribution. 100%. I mean, absolutely 100%. And, and I think what you need to realize, and this is different for every, every different firm lives on a different reality of this spectrum. You have direct response and you have brand awareness affinity. Direct response basically says, I got hit by a truck. I need to hire a lawyer. I do not have a starting point and I'm going to query, click, call and hire, right? That is direct response. They have no idea who you are. On the flip side, you have what I will call at the very end, other end of the stream, you have brand affinity, I like this lawyer. I have no idea what they do, but boy, oh boy, do I like them. And I see them all the time. Every firm lives on and every client, every new prospect sits somewhere on that spectrum. The reality is in a multi-touch attribution reality where you have somewhere level of brand affinity and brand awareness. There's no way to build brand affinity with a single touch, right? The brand affinity is repeated exposure over time in a positive sense. And so you can't measure that down, you can't pinpoint that client down to that one individual channel. It just does not work like that. Having said that, on the other end of the spectrum, if it is direct response, if it is a direct response experience and it's the web, you actually can measure that. And it can be not the web too. It could be directly from radio, right? You can actually measure direct response. And you need to because otherwise when you ask people how they found you, of like Google or the internet, well, that doesn't work. That is a completely, completely useless answer for you to evaluate how your direct response marketing efforts are working. And so this dual source attribution modeling, where you are both automatically generating the last touch that had them get in touch with your firm, that will accurately, fairly accurately measure direct response, especially where direct response is online. But the other stuff you do have to ask. And in many cases, the only way to build a real deep understanding of how your marketing is working, where you live in a brand affinity or brand awareness model offline advertising, et cetera, is to... Ask that question and then go over the results. Open-ended questions about how did you hear about us, right? And it's very difficult to draw the pretty MBA pie graph by doing that, but you start to really grok what's actually working for you, what is moving the needle. And the other part of this, all of this is very, very true. One plus one plus one equals seven in this. Your offline advertising is going to make your pay-per-click work better. Your SEO experience is going to make your radio work better. It is a one plus one plus one equals seven, which unfortunately, because I love the small entrepreneur. Aggressive, scrappy people makes it a easier venue for those firms that are playing in multiple channels. All right, yeah, I'll get off that soapbox.
0: No, I think that's right. And and again, I think for me, it's like if I was going to put in a couple buzz marketing buzzwords, be data informed, not data driven. Right? Like, don't all these people are like, I'm going to I'm cutting everything if I can't attribute a case to it. And I'm like, you're cutting off your nose to spite your face. You know, it's like, and I hate quoting him, but, you know, it's Gary Vee. What's the ROI on your mom, right? You can't measure the ROI on your mom, but guess what? You're not making any return without your mom, right? And as we're coming just past Mother's Day here. So anyway, be data informed, not data myopic.
1: All right. With that, leaving us with what's the ROI on your mom? Lunch Hour Legal Marketing out. We will be back in two weeks with more information. Hopefully, within two weeks, Guy and or Conrad will have gotten our grubby little hands on Google's SGE. And we will have more to share with you about what we've learned.